Welcome to the Pope on Film! I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. It is episode 282 of the podcast. Yes, yes, and proud we are of all of that. FYI, Bunny, uh... Uh, cousin Jaden spent the night, and so Jaden and Maxwell are currently in the room playing Fortnite and chatting and being a bit loud, and I don't think there's anything I can do to stop them. So FYI, there's going to be little kids talking in the background, but uh, that happens a lot, and I, it's never stopped us before. No, it hasn't. Yeah, so so we're just gonna plow through it. I, today we're gonna be talking about um, COVID nineteen. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Donald Trump. We're going to be talking about uh, the British invasion of the mid nineteen sixties, and we're going to talk about uh, Eddie Guerrero and how that relates to this week's movie. Okay. So yeah, let's just get to it. On with Act One. Ready? Yes. This week on the podcast, we will be continuing our fun and lighthearted look at Christmas with a look at the WCW meets SCTV crossover we didn't know we all wanted. The 2005 film Santa's Sleigh starring WCW champion and concussion collector Bill Goldberg. Yes. Very excited to be talking about this uh, about this film. Well, I thought that you, to start off the show, why don't we take some time to discuss WCW World Championship Wrestling, which is where uh, Bill Goldberg got his start. The WWE alternative that came very close to bankrupting Vince McMahon and the WWE back in the day. WCW almost took down the WWF. Uh, Nowadays, WCW is most known for giving birth to the NWO. And the way that I remember WCW is that it, it, it had... Elderly former WWF wrestlers like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Randy Savage, Roddy Roddy Piper, and uh, Diesel holding back some of the greatest talent to ever be buried by a promotion. It, it was it was Hulk Hogan, and it was uh, Randy Savage, and it was Ric Flair, and it was all of these old wrestlers, so much so that, that they got all of the screen time. Meanwhile, they had on their roster Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, Booker T, Chavo Guerrero, Shane Helms, and they were all buried so that Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash could stroke themselves. Yes. And and, and it's very sad, and it's it's a shame. The, the, the Ray Maland matches. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Ray Maland matches. And speaking of Kevin Nash, the former Diesel in the WWF and former heavyweight champion 
in WCW has been in some surprising big time movies since he left the world of professional wrestling. Kevin Nash has been in the occasional big time movie. Uh, he was in uh, The Punisher. I think Thomas Jane's The Punisher. Yeah. Uh, he was in the, the two Magic Mike movies. And it, and it was Thomas Jane's one, I remember him. Yeah. Uh, he was in both Magic Mike movies, and that was a big deal back in the day. He was in one of our favorite movies of all time, yes. Rock of Ages. Oh, yes. Which we have covered extensively here on the podcast. Extensively. He was also in the first John Wick, for, for, for Pete's sake. Kevin Nash... For a while, it looked like Kevin Nash would just the way that he looked could maybe uh, make it in movies. Uh, well, they tried him acting once or twice. They chucked him a couple of lines, and he just sucks. Yeah, yeah. So, so, it, but, but then he became the if you need a big imposing person, you can get Kevin Nash, and maybe he could, you know, make a name for himself that way. Well. Something tells me that Mr. Torn Quad Kevin Nash is, in fact, not going to be the next Rock the Dwayne Johnson. Why do I say that? Well, Why Kevin do Nash you just say that? Up. Let me tell you, Bunny. Kevin Nash just wrapped up his latest upcoming starring role. Uh -oh. He just wrapped a movie. Slaw 2. Starring, starring role in this film. Let me tell you about it. He is starring in the upcoming movie, COVID-19 Invasion. Oh. That's the title of Kevin Nash's next film. Uh, now you might be thinking to yourself, gee, that sounds like an offensively crass film to be making right now. See, it yeah. seems seems a bit offensive, exploitative. Well, fear not, okay? Fear not, my friends. This movie is being directed by none other than Texas's own Micah Lyons. Yes, the Micah Lyons. The same man who executive produced the 2016 film Jesus VR, the virtual story of Christ. Oh. So you know <coughs> that COVID-19 invasion is not going to be uh, a cheap, crass, offensive, cheaply made film exploiting the coronavirus. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Nope. In, in fact, Bunny, just to calm your fears, okay, of this movie being an offensive low-brow low brow catch grab, director, director Michael Lyons did release an official synopsis of the movie COVID-19 Invasion. It's on uh, IMDb. Would you like to hear the official synopsis of Kevin Nash's film, COVID-19 Invasion? What? Sorry? Would you like to hear the official synopsis of Kevin Nash's new upcoming movie, COVID-19 Invasion? Yes, please. Okay, I've got it right here. <clears throat> and again, 
this will calm all of your fears that this is just some sort of cheap cash grab, okay? Uh -huh. This is a film that's going to treat the coronavirus with uh, sensitivity, tact, and dare I say a little bit of heart. I think we're all going to learn something. Yes, okay? yes, we are. Okay, so here's the I, official... I love your background, by the way. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. I fooled a, 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 a good amount of people with my background. So here's the official synopsis. Two sentences. That's all that, that uh, director Micah Lyons needs to really pull at your heartstrings. Here, here it is. Chinese bats invade America! Okay. It's up to SEAL Team 6 to stop them. <laughs> and that's Kevin Nash's upcoming movie, so this is obviously not a cheap cash grab. This is a serious take. Yeah. On the coronavirus. Yeah, you, you could tell. Yeah. This is some real classy shit. Who said Kevin Nash was a washed-up actor? And, 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 and thank God, because you know what? There, there are just not enough coronavirus movies yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried that like there's a there's a new show premiering on NBC called Nurses, and it's a it's a look at the hectic life of nurses on the front line and all that they do to try and help people. And I'm just worried that that that's what a large portion of our Entertainment is going to be post coronavirus. That like a year from oh, God, now, yeah. like CBS's <laughs> new show, clapping at doctors for an hour. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, and, everything is gonna. Oh, I coronavirus is gonna be the new black. Okay. Yeah. It's it's gonna be all over. We're gonna be remaking movies. We're gonna remake Love Story, where she gets coronavirus and dies. Yeah. You know, we're gonna update everything to be coronavirus relative. You know. Oh my goodness! I can already see the teen romance movies. Yeah. The f the 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 fault in our respiratory system. Yes. <laughs> teen romance right there just came up with that on top of my head. But let me, if, if I may, I really want to talk some more about Kevin Nash's upcoming movie, oh, COVID-19 yes. Invasion. I am hoping, I am really hoping that it's basically right-wing Birdemic. Okay. You know, when I picture Kevin Nash and it's like, oh, here come the Chinese bats and he's shooting at the air and just shaking his gun because there's no bullets and he has, and they're going to add bullets with CGI. And then they just have CGI bats like the birds in Birdemic. That's what I'm hoping for <laughs> in COVID-19 invasion. Finally, uh, someone, someone made a Birdemic for Fox News. Is what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be. Can't wait. That's gonna be the movie for 2021, at least uh, for me. I can't wait for COVID 19 invasion. And cut on. I'm waiting for the musical. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now cut on that. Bunny! Yes! This is a short segment. Uh, but for personal reasons, reasons that will soon become clear to you, Bunny. Uh, this little this little story, this little ditty means a lot to me, okay? Okay. Bunny. Yankee Candles. Yankee Candles, okay? London Fog. We have we yeah we have discussed Yankee Candles before on the show and gotten quite a a uh, uh, hearty chuckle, quite a guffaw from Yankee Candles, right? Yes, yes, we we're, have. We're big fans. Ever since our Debbie fans. Does Dallas episode. Yeah, yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, because uh, she works in so, the candy fa- candle uh, factory. Yankee. Yes, 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 yes. I was wondering why. Uh, yeah, I was wondering why Yankee Candles came up in the first place. But uh, sad news for you, Bunny. Yankee Candles are not doing so well. Really? Oh, no. Business is slow for Yankee Candles. In fact, business is bad for scented everything right now. Well, they but, really, uh, they really shouldn't have gone for that one specialty scent, pepperoni and poverty. That was probably a mistake. Yeah, probably. So, uh, so here's the thing, okay? Twitter user at Terry Draws Stuff pointed out that the Yankee Candle site, that Yankee Candle site on Amazon and their website is just full of angry people, angry women who are complaining about Yankee Candles. You know why? Why? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Women all across America are complaining that the Yankee Candle they just got, just purchased has no smell to it okay (laughs) gee i wonder why (laughs) i bet those same women then go to cracker barrel and complain to the manager can i speak to your manager okay you're the manager well this food is terrible i can't taste a thing also i have a slight fever and a persistent cough yes Uh uh-huh you see what i'm saying you see what i'm yeah, so Yankee Candle sales are bad, and all these people are like, I bought this in April, and I, I, I can't smell a thing. And it's like, okay, maybe maybe you should get a swab. Maybe. That might be a good you idea. Know? And then a second Twitter user, at Kate underscore PTRV, noticed the tweet about people complaining about Yankee Candles and did an insane amount of math and crunched data and noticed that, yeah, uh, throughout all of Amazon, scented candle reviews have been, have started going bad since roundabout the first case of the coronavirus was uh, occurred in the United States. And as a, a coronavirus survivor, this is Absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. 
You know, and we're all talking about, oh, movie theaters are closing down. Oh, Disneyland. Who knows when it might reopen? But it's like, yeah, those are the obvious ones. We really need to think outside of the box. Yankee Candles. No one's buying them because no one can smell a thing because everybody's got the damn coronavirus. I I have over the past couple of months gained a few pounds. And at first... I was kind of ashamed about the weight gain. But then a few days ago, I saw a report that said uh, that the doctors are still studying the after effects of the coronavirus. And one of the after effects of the coronavirus is apparently uh, a loss of, of uh, appetite and a lot, you, you lose a lot of weight and you lose your appetite. And so I see my weight gain as a fuck you coronavirus. <laughs> you know so it's like yeah sure I've gained a few pounds but also guess what I'm alive yes so I think I earned these pounds yes I yes, also read, I, I also read that the corona for a lot of men the coronavirus uh, speeds up hair loss not a problem there and also, many men suffer erectile dysfunction from the coronavirus. And let me tell you something, buddy. Also not a problem. <laughs> In fact, Good it's, to hear it. it's so much of a not a problem. It's ridiculous, but that's beside the point. So, yeah, I, I've gained, I have a little bit of a belly, but you know what? I survived the coronavirus, so... You know, I, I earned every pound. Yes. Fuck. I should eat ice cream during <laughs> during uh, act. I might get some ice cream during Act Three. Anyway, Yankee Candles. I find that hilarious. Ooh, Women are maybe we could have more more dirty snowballs for for Act Three. Snowman, dirty snowman. Nice. Oh. oh, Jeannie made those last night, and they are so good. Yeah. Cool. It's hot chocolate. You want to say? Hmm? It's hot chocolate with vanilla ice cream and Baileys. Fucking Baileys. Oh! oh. Jesus, I love that stuff. That stuff is so good. Yes. My parents were Kahlua people. Yeah. Because I go to the store in America... And like, here's a bottle of Kahlua, uh, $49.95, $55 for a big bottle of Kahlua. But then we'd be visiting relatives in Mexico and they're like, oh, look, a bottle of Kahlua in Mexico, $14.99. Nice. And so, you know, we'd get these cheap ass bottles of Kahlua, bring it back home. And just my parents were always drinking that. Put some with the morning coffee and and, and, my dad would just be would love it. And then I dated Sarah and Sarah was the one she was. She loved. She loved Bailey's. Yeah, because she was Irish. She really turned me on to Bailey's. I had never tried Bailey's before. That's really good. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so so that's the end of the Yankee Candle bit. Cut right there. Buddy! Yes! It's time once again for our new seasonal segment, 
which I am calling Things You Forgot Happened in 2020. Yes. I, 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 I am excited about this new segment. I, I made it to an yeah, artwork. I am excited about this segment because so much went on this fucking year. So much happened that we have forgotten about. That it was, it was like, so... that's ridiculous. And, and like, it just went away. Yeah. Like, like it seems like this movie came out so long ago. But at the beginning of the year, I was still going to see Cats. Yeah. Cats seemed like it came out three years ago and everyone forgot it already. And it's not even a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. When anyway, did it come out? Did it come it out in 2019? Like the ass end of 2019? Or did it come it, out in 2020? It came out around Christmas 2019. So it was more of the it was more of the harbinger. Yeah. 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 I still say I I I still say that there is an alternate universe out there where cats was a huge smash hit and coronavirus didn't happen. I'm not saying there's a correlation between those in our universe. I'm saying that somewhere out there. Uh, yeah, uh, Cats is a big hit. David Letterman still has a late night talk show, and the coronavirus didn't happen. Yeah, it's all up. So the pandemic led to. A I'm time. just saying. I'm just saying that the Silver Surfer shows up before Galacticus. Yes, and Cats is the Silver Surfer. Ooh, that's a really good. It's a really good analogy. Yeah. So, so the pandemic led to a time warp, and things happened at the beginning of the year that would have that that happened in 2020 that would have been much bigger news had not a deadly pandemic just uh, destroyed all of society and our ability to uh, construct time. So, and a lunatic president. We we can't yes. pin it all on coronavirus. Yes. So on February 2nd, 2020, Super Bowl Live occurred. That's L-I-V in Roman numerals, meaning Super Bowl 54. But I think they missed a real opportunity to call it, you know, Live Super Bowl. Okay. Because it was Super Bowl L-I-V. They could have made Live Super Bowl bracelets, like those Live Strong bracelets, you know? Yeah. Super Bowl Live! Anyway, I I just think that that's a missed opportunity. So it was a match between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs, and in the end, the Kansas City Chiefs were victorious, and buddy, I got a question for you. Where, pray tell, is Kansas City located? There are two of them. I, I I think the one in Missouri shouldn't exist. I deny its city its cityhood. Because Kansas there City is a Kansas belongs city in, in fucking Kansas. There is 
a Kansas City in Kansas, and people do bring that up when they talk about this this specific uh, thing that happened. But I feel that that's like people saying, oh, man, isn't Paris amazing? Oh, are you talking about Paris, Texas? Because there's a Paris in Texas. And it's like, of course I'm not fucking talking about the Paris in Texas. Yeah. So anyway, you know that there's a Kansas City in Missouri. And congratulations, Bunny, because you officially know more than our idiot fucking president. Yes. Who went on Twitter and congratulated the Kansas City Chiefs, tweeting, yes. and I quote, you represented the great state of Kansas, and in fact, the entire USA so very well. Our country is proud of you. What a fucking idiot Donald Trump is. I look it up. If I was if I was gonna make some kind of announcement about a sports thing, anything. I don't know anything about sports. I am fucking looking everything up. Yeah. Anything I'm yeah. going to say, I'm going to fact check. Yeah. I just I just can't wait for us to have a president who won't eat McDonald's and knows where Kansas City is. I never thought that we needed to do a sort of test, but like I I think from every president after Trump, we have to go like on inauguration day, and it's like, okay, uh, soon to be president. Here is a map of the of the planet. Can you find Pakistan? Yeah, and if they if they point at Pakistan, like congratulations, you're hired. But I guarantee you. Donald Trump couldn't find Pakistan. Donald Trump couldn't spell Pakistan. Donald Trump doesn't know where Kansas City is. Donald Trump has never seen sports. It, it, it's just, it, it, he's a fucking idiot. And the fact that the president didn't know that the Kansas City Chiefs are a team from Missouri would have been huge news yes. if any president had done it at any other time. It would be Dan Quayle can't spell potato level. Exactly. Exactly. If Bill Clinton had done this, oh man, 24-7 news coverage of Kansas City Gate. Yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. Anyway, that happened this year. Right before we all went on lockdown, and I just hope that uh, we don't forget that. You know, yeah. I just hope we don't forget it. And so that's it for this week's things you forgot happened in 2020. We're doing this every week until the end of the year. Very happy about that. This is a fun segment that I like a lot. Yes, it is. That one yeah. I happen to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Buddy! Yes? We still have a, a full show to do. We have Bunny Versus, everyone's favorite podcast segment. We have uh, Shap, which I am so excited to finally get to. And we have a movie that I guess we have to talk about. But uh, <laughs> I will be spending of the movie discussing... Uh, WWE No Way Out that occurred on February 15th, 2004 at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. It is related to the movie. 
A little bit, but it okay. is related to the movie, just to be clear. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 and break. Break. Hey, don't shoot me. Well, I actually have to do things. Yes. On the afternoon of March 10th, 2016, an undetermined number of people, oftentimes fluctuating between 2 and 4.5 individuals, were recording a podcast on the internet. Three of them were never seen again. The next morning, the one survivor, Bunny Williams, was picked up on a roadside, blood-caked and screaming church organist. Bunny said he had the number one podcast in hell. The man babbled a mad tale, a vaguely Mexican family in the isolated state of Oklahoma, a film podcast that's only indirectly about films, a filthy podcast that somehow prominently featured young children, then Bunny fell into catatonia. Colorado lawmen mounted a five-minute manhunt but could not locate the macabre podcast. No facts, no information, no iTunes account. Officially, on the records, the Pope on film never existed. But over the years, reports of a bizarre grisly podcast have persisted all across the internet. The Pope on film has not stopped. It haunts your Facebook feed. It frightens Twitter. It vaguely jump scares Stitcher. The Pope on film seems to have no end. Bob. What else? What Bob thinks is... It wasn't just enough to want to see Uncle Henry and Annie M. It's that... If Bob ever goes looking for his heart's desires again...
was in college at uh, Arizona State University, which really is as bad as pop culture has led you to believe. Yeah. And I, I went into a class and I, that I just randomly picked, and it was like a, a American history in the 20th century, and it was just some random class I picked. And I walk into class, and it was so weird because my brother is four years older than me, so we were hardly ever in class together. We were hardly ever in the same school together. It was just the period in time where we never saw each other. But I walk into class, and the first person I see is my brother. And we had not talked about this. We just accidentally happened to take the same class together. Yeah. And I walk into class, my brother's there, and he's like, Holy shit! And I'm like, Holy shit! And we took this class, and apparently it was the teacher's first time ever teaching a class ever. Yeah. And he had a hard time with the class, and what he kept saying over and over again is, Look, we're going to learn a lot of things. We're going to learn a lot about American history. And you're, I know what you're going to do. You're going to take this class, and you're going to do good, but then you're going to forget everything I said. You're going to forget everything I ever taught you. But if you remember one thing, remember this. It's going to be on every test. It's going to be the most important thing. I'm giving you the answer right now for one question on every test you take in this class. But just remember, the most important thing you can remember is that Albert B. Fall was the Secretary of the Interior during the Harding administration. <laughs> the infamous teapot dome scandal. And, and my brother and I looked at each other and said, okay, we're going to have to memorize this. Because apparently... <laughs> This is the most important thing ever. And it gets, it, it, and that was like in 90, that was like in the year 2000. That was like 16 years ago. Yeah. And he's been like a mirroring 40, and I'm living in Oklahoma, and I have a wife, and I have kids, and I have this managerial job, and every once in a while I'll do story time, and I'll go, kids, kids, we're going to read a story. It's a Dr. Seuss story. You're going to love it. But first, we get to that i want to talk about a character that you all love no i'm not talking about spongebob i'm talking about albert b fall you know who that is kid you don't well he's only the secretary of the interior during the harding administration who's responsible for the infamous teapot dome scandal <laughs> i keep saying this one fucking no one has any fucking idea what it means except maybe professor sam schmeeding and my brother hi everybody my name is Steve, and today we're going to be writing songs for people, random people, at the Home Depot. Hope you like it. Check out my hair, my hair is awesome. Check out my hair, my hair is awesome. Uh. I'm showing off in a red shirt. I'm showing off in a red shirt. Check me out, I am really awesome and I'm showing off in a red shirt. Lady getting something from the trunk, no way does she have her stuff. Did she drop something? No, she's picking up trash, picking up trash that's on the street. Picking up trash, trash lady. I want to do you all night long. I am normal, I am normal, conform, conform, I am normal, check out my shirt. I love khaki shorts, and I'm secretly in love with my best friend, and my khaki shorts.
Getting in the van. Getting in the van. Driving away, driving away, driving away in my van. But I'd like for you to pull my red along on this that I haven't actually gotten to make a full backing track for. It's called Insect Cities. And it's about uh, someone taking their clothes off at a park and then peeling off their skin. Cool. <coughs> anyway, okay, you guys are the redhead zombie crowd. You can, you can handle that. Oh, yeah. Or some of you are. Some of you may not be. I can't see. You took off your clothes in the middle of the grass and my fingers of the sun, the light held you in its grasp. You loved the wind, you mumbled on a park bench. Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, you mumbled like a godsend. The peeling backwards of your skin and the slow open of your ribs made the sound of soft wings and crumbled shirt sleeves. Time caps a letter held in between and dropped from hands that now know things, all now slip from memory. Scattered in the weeds grown around the family tree where the tendency runs and almost gallops, your words crashing endlessly into a cluttered pipe dream where you took off your clothes because they had become unclean. All this preconceived blood on your sleeve and there are needles in your fever dreams. There are fables in these secret things. Cry wolf and howl screams, be straight as beauty sleeps. Petals fall as ant hills dream. Insect cities just out of reach. Put some clothes on, let's be friends. <laughs> Scared? Are you scared? I'm, I'm really, really scared. You're scared. Since 1927, the American Optus Eyeglass Corporation has had one central goal: to provide top-class, high-quality eyewear. The hot-ass chicks. Whether it's Anne Hathaway from the Princess Diaries, Rachel Lee Cook in She's All That, or Mothra from Destroy All Monsters, the American Optics Eyeglass Corporation is there to further a sexist film trope for cash. Do you know the 1957 Humphrey Bogart classic film The Big Sleep? In that film, Lauren Bacall is a nerdish bookworm with glasses. And who made those glasses? We did. The American Optics Eyeglass Corporation. You're not attractive, you wear glasses. We are back, filthy capitalist big dogs. Viva la revolution. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Bunny. I know. Yes.
Are you ready for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus starring the incomparable, the illustrious Bunny Williams? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you psyched? Are you jazzed? Are you jazzed? Are you bejeweled up? Are you ready? Are you ready to do it? Yeah, 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 pretty much so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking so. I think I'm ready. Well, I'm ready. Any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. Merry Christmas. Merry <gasps> Christmas. Wow, what a shocking take. I what know. a shocking take from Bunny. I know. I, 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 I am... I am I cannot believe you went there. I'm really trying to go with the whole Christmas spirit thing this year. Because <laughs> I feel like like it's all been so fucking depressing. Like, I really, really need Christmas. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we might be on, on opposite sides for this movie. <laughs> This week's movie, what can be said about it that hasn't also been said to a therapist? Rebecca Gayhart is in the beginning, and uh, she ran over and killed someone. Is that that really? Is that that really adorable girl who used to be in quite a lot of things back in the day? Yeah, and you don't see her anymore because she killed someone. Really? Uh, yeah, she's the only person in the opening sequence of the movie that wasn't Jewish. Okay. Uh, in June 2001, Gayhart fatally struck a young boy with her vehicle in Los Angeles an event that was widely publicized and was and was ultimately sentenced to probation and community service yeah for okay. killing a boy okay yeah that sounds great vehicular manslaughter she gets away with it meanwhile a black kid steals a package of skittles and gets shot 300 times in the back of the head yeah but oh yeah here pick up trash okay you picked up one piece of trash uh, go out and be on Nip Tuck, Rebecca Gayhart. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't see her around. She's only in this because she was married to Brett Ratner, who was the executive producer of Santa's Sleigh, which, oh, yeah, I, yeah. which I assume is why James Caan was in this. I, I am the yeah. Yeah. Because Brett Ratner used to have a... Before Me Too destroyed his career, Brett Ratner had a lot of pull in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, let's 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 save that for Act 3. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Or, then I'll yeah. start talking. <laughs> so how have you been this week? All right. Uh, how have I been this week? Very depressed. Uh, going through a lot of things. I feel like a non-playable character 
in the exciting video games of everyone else in the family. Okay. You know, like Natasha's like, you wouldn't believe the day I had. I did this, and I did this, and I did that, and then I defeated the beast, and then I got a hundred gold pieces, and, and then I, I passed the level, and I'm like, welcome. Would you like anything? <laughs> Safe travels, you know? So, so I, I, I'm... I, I, I love my children. Yeah. I love them. They are amazing, and I love them. It is just sometimes difficult to be sewed to them 24-7. Yes. Nonstop, from March to December. Yes. That can be rough. Thankfully, that's why there's edibles. <laughs> so, that helps. Uh... But yesterday, and then yesterday I was so depressed, I watched, I started, I, I watched my depression movie. Yeah. I have, I have a movie that I only pull out when I'm, like, at rock bottom. For a while it was They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Yeah, okay. When I was in high school and college, that was, like, my thing. But then somewhere in college I switched from They Shoot Horses, Don't They? to just Pink Floyd's The Wall, the movie. Yeah. And, and I, I watched it yesterday, and I, I in, you know, halfway through, I was just like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to try as hard as I can to just make myself feel better. And, and, and last night ended up being really great. SNL was, was like a bell curve, and, and that was okay. But, but we watched it as like a family. And then afterwards, uh, Natasha and Emerald and Amber and Bella and I stayed up just playing games and listening to music and hanging out until like four in the morning. Yeah. We started playing Jackbox, which is so much fun. And it was just it, it was just such a good time, and and I I got about four and a half hours of sleep. So I, well I put because we were talking about it, I, I put Kahlua in my coffee during the break. So that's what you're smelling. Just a splash. Okay, I smell it, but it makes the coffee taste weird. But so. I was really depressed, and now I'm 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 feeling all right. I'm feeling pretty good. I did only get four and a half hours of sleep, and I'm a bit of a vampire right now. But I, I, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I am doing okay. I'm happy that I am in what the the health department people said that I have a 90 day window where I shouldn't get the coronavirus again and i'm really happy that my 90 day window comprises of november december and january yeah i feel that that's going to be the worst you know that uh, yeah yeah we're gonna feel that, that with like, thanksgiving yeah bump. i feel like it's gonna be just like a really shitty winter and then all I have to worry about is February, and then hopefully March. You know, it'll get warmer, and and we'll have a president who knows where Kansas City is. 
But it doesn't help having assholes like Tucker Carlson on TV saying, oh, they're trying to cancel Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. we're just trying to not have you die. <laughs> Look, the only person who's trying to cancel Christmas is my wife. What? Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to Yeah. Why? Because it's a That's the question, holiday, Tasha. So why? Christmas in this house. Uh, we're still celebrating Christmas. Yeah? Okay. No, my house. You're giving me this face like no. this hasn't been a thing over the past like no. four years. Look, look, no. Okay, look. I stop you, first of all. Okay. Second of all. Yes. Uh, yeah, I hate the religious aspect of it. I always have. Yes. And yes, I tried to eliminate it from our holiday lineup. Yes. But last year, I tried to embrace it as a family, you know, uh, spending time together bullshit. Yeah, family spending time together bullshit. And then that family had to go and burn me. So now I don't have the family. Yes, well, you all that drama, man. Like, what the fuck? If that's a holiday and I want to spend it with my family and spend good quality time with it. Remember last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you, you gave it away? That's why this year to save me some tears, I'm going to give it to someone special. <laughs> oh, we should do that movie last Christmas. That, that movie sucks in a really good way. Whoa. Uh, last Christmas, it came out l- last Christmas. <laughs> and it's not a good movie, but in a fun way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a weird Christmas supernatural romantic comedy. Starring some, starring some woman from Game of Thrones. I never watched it, so I don't know who she was, but she was in it. But she was from Game of Thrones. The Mother of the Dragons, I think, is who starred in, in Last Christmas, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, she had the long white hair, but it was like a wig. and She, she almost died. In Game of Thrones? No. Filming Game of Thrones? She died in Game of Thrones eventually. Oh, yeah, you told me that. Yeah, that, she that had the that actress... like, ultra-rare brain tumor and shit. Had to have, like, two or three surgeries. Yeah. She almost died the yeah. first season. Yeah, she almost died. Ugh. Uh... Yeah, we should do it. We should do Last Christmas next week instead of the movie that I've got. I picked a movie for next week thinking that it might be good. And then I started reading reviews and it's like, uh, maybe I should pick a different film. You know? Okay. For next, I'm I'm trying to do something different this Christmas, and usually during Christmas we're watching like the worst shit. Yeah, you know, and and we're like, I found this Christian movie, I found this right wing movie, I found this yada yada yada, and so this year 2020 has been like such shit that I'm just trying to get some like different fun things that we don't have to think about too much that might be fun, and so. You know, 
Last week we did Santa Jaws. This week yeah. Bill Goldberg is pretending that he's an actor. And uh, so, so I found so there's this movie I've had on the hard drive for the uh, on my computer for the longest time, and I never I never bothered to see it. But I figured, hey, maybe this will be a year that that we should dust it off. And it's already on the hard drive, and it's called A Merry Friggin' Christmas. Okay. And so Joe McHale from Community is married to uh, Lorelai from Gilmore Girls. And this year, they decide to spend Christmas with his family, who is, who is Candace Bergen and Robin Williams right before he killed himself. Okay, yeah, I... I... I think I've seen bits of this. Yeah, and and I figure with a cast like that, it has to be good. So, hey, we can watch it next week and we can have some fun watching it. And then I started reading the reviews and it's like, oh, maybe we'll do a different movie. So I'm trying (laughs) to pick some fun things, but... Santa Jaws was Santa Jaws and this week's movie. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, but I don't know. So I don't know what we're doing next week. Right now, at this moment, I don't know what we're doing next week. Maybe we'll do Last Christmas because I really want you to watch that because it's bad. Okay, <laughs> but in a good way. Uh, so so yeah, okay. So that's me. How are you doing, Bunny? I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, yep. Got some screens done. Got a spaceship screen. Got a got a stage screen coming up later. So that was cool. Um, been reworking Doctor Vornoff's chair, and it looks really pretty badass. But I have to add the guns. He needs more guns. Uh. And that's it. But again, I'm feeling the same kind of way where where I I really kind of want to celebrate Christmas this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I even suspended my rule of no Christmas things before Thanksgiving. Thank wow. God I still didn't have to see much of it. But still... After Halloween, that is fucking carved in stone. Never ever. Yeah. I will yeah. send death squads after you. But yeah, it is this year and this year only. Okay, let's make that fucking clear. Pre-thanks yeah, I'm alright with, okay. right with that. Okay. <laughs> hey, bunny. Whoa. Uh, breaking news. Uh, Trump says that Rudy Giuliani has tested positive for the coronavirus. Okay. Giuliani, who was positive today, uh, yeah, so now they're... He's been everywhere. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's almost fitting for him, the Nosferatu-looking motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and how interesting that, that Donald Trump announced this. 
Yeah. Just like 45 minutes ago, Rudy Giuliani, by far the greatest mayor in the history of the NYC, and who has been working tirelessly exposing the most corrupt election by far in the history of the U.S., has tested positive for the China virus. Get well soon, Rudy. We will carry on. You know what? I bet Giuliani didn't get the coronavirus. This is just Trump's way of getting rid of Giuliani for a while. Yeah. Put and it's like, Rudy, you do you are doing me no good. If anything, you're making it worse. Fuck it. Hey, everybody, Rudy Giuliani has coronavirus, and you won't see him for it until at least uh, January 20th. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's what it is. So there's, so you, there's that. So how are you feeling, honey? How are well, you feeling? How are you feeling? Besides trying to... To embrace Christmas. How are you feeling? How is the inner bunny? <laughs> he's he's pretty okay. He's pretty okay, I think. Yeah. Life's life's been pretty good. I like I'm not I'm not feeling the big effect of like, oh I've got I mean, I would kinda like to get out of the house. Yeah. But it's still not like a Pressing need. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm okay with not having to buy gas regularly. That is nice. That is nice. That is. I am on like my last quarter tank. Of my second tank from March. Wow. That's impressive. I was really kind of made for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Meanwhile, I'm just I'm just scratching the walls, you know? It's like social distance, why yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel that. I'm really excited for Shaft this week. Really excited. I'm going to be... Like, it's like the last time I played hide-and-seek when I was a kid. They still haven't <laughs> fucking found me. Yeah. Yeah. So you were just... You were made for this. It's Bunny's time to shine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I I think I might be in Facebook jail. Yeah, because I've been posting and sharing things, and like nobody has liked anything. I mean, I don't like count my likes or anything, but like I haven't had a reaction out of people in days. So I'm like. Is anything actually even going out? <laughs> well, I I know that uh, Twitter oftentimes hides my replies. If I reply to someone on Twitter, Twitter won't show it unless you go to my specific profile and choose to look at my replies. Okay. But to be fair, I do use the reply function on Twitter to... Uh, 
destroy douchebags. Okay. Like Jim Jordan talking about how the Joe Biden wants to cancel Christmas. And I'm like, yes, the the rape apologist is right. Yeah. And so, what kind of tipped me off is is I posted something the other night that I was like, I, I was sure to get a reaction out of it one way or another because I dissed Obama because he pissed me off. Yeah. <clears throat> Fucking Obama saying, oh, defund the police is a snappy slogan. What the fuck? Seriously. You know, it's not a snappy yeah. slogan. And it's a fucking insult for him to say it. You know, he is not a stupid man. He goddamn knows better. But instead, he's going to be a condescending fuck instead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I posted that with relatively those words in my message. And that that got no reaction whatsoever. Nothing. A like oh. or a hate. So that's when I started. I started wondering if I'm if I'm in a if I'm in Facebook, Facebook jail, and I don't know it. Yeah. You know, I I I posted a uh, American Optics on my timeline, and there was not a single reaction. Let's see. Am I in Facebook jail? Uh, does Facebook tell you how to get out of Facebook jail? Am I in Facebook jail? Huh. It's not like Twitter. Twitter can shadow ban you, which is, hey, you're causing trouble. And so we're going to secretly make it so that people don't see you. Yeah. That's that's kind of what this feels like. Yeah. So you've been shadow banned by Facebook. That's impressive. It's so it seems. It's too controversial that the man decided to take you down. I mean, I think think you would have noticed if I posted an anti-Obama post. Yeah. Oh, the bomb is yet. My 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 Facebook is all weird. So, like, I'll go on Facebook and it'll be like, "Hey, here's something your friend wrote two weeks ago." Yeah. And here's what your brother said ten minutes ago, and it's like I'm I'm trying to figure out how to like. Can I just see what's new? Sure. It does it. It does that with. It does that with my friends with my friend Joe Man's page. I'll get a notification like, hey, here's an article that you may have missed. And I'll go to it and I'll be like, Facebook, you mean the one I already liked? You That's think weird. I missed it? The yeah. one I've already reacted to? You you think I missed it? <laughs> yeah. That is odd. <sighs> I'm so comfy right now. Oh, here. For the red I mean, a blue. Really excited for Shap. Oh, are you? Yeah. yeah. It's a Is really it good one. Well, uh, I, I don't... 
have anything particularly else exciting to report. Not right okay. now. You know. Uh, so why don't we just cut it here and head on over and take ourselves a nice big shap. A nice big shap. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So until this week, this is Bunny Williams saying, self-stick adhesive? Yes, please. That's a really good send-off. And but cut on that. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes! If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pop on Film. I mean, who is it now, nowadays? In this day and age. But only real fans of the show. True hardcore fans. That have been with us since day one. Ride or die fans of the Pope on Film podcast. Would know the two truths about us. Two undeniably real and not made up on the spot facts. About the both of us. America's hottest podcasting couple. Bunny and Steve. First and foremost. Bunny is the fact that you are a successful romance novelist in your spare time. So tell us, Bunny, what are some of the titles you've been working on lately? Uh, Well, they're all romance novels, but they're highly specialized romance novels. They're romance novels at the slug and cosplay slug community. So, yes. like, either either real slugs or people who enjoy dressing as slugs and having sex as Slug-o. slugs. So, that yes, is Slug-o. mostly what, what these romance novels are geared towards. So, uh, so, so there's Betty Gets Salty, which is, Ooh. which is... It's a romance, but it's kind of a fatal attraction sort of a thing. You know? um, I gotta fan myself. I'm getting the vapors because your book is so hot, Bonnie. Yes. Uh, then I have a a, a kind of a, a fanfic. Uh, yeah. Maybe not quite a fanfic, like. Slugs don't like Crispin Glover. Okay, I think that I think this has been well yeah. established. So, so it, it's it's yeah, a romance that. novel that it centers around Crispin Glover, but that's not like the romance. But he's like just the big villain. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those are some good. Those are some good titles. I can't wait to read both of those on my. Uh, on my Amazon Fire. Yeah, it's it's kind of a niche market, you know. But it's a growing it's a growing market. Yes, it's it a is. growing market. Yes, it Slug is. Slug porn is is going to be the next furry. You, you know? know how like like Troll Two started by people like inviting friends to watch it in their basement, and then they would have little parties, little watch parties, and it, yeah. then it kind of grew from the same thing with the slug community. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're a you're a successful romance novelist for a reason because you capture the zeitgeist of America. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. No problem. 
you can use that for a book jacket. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it. But I'm also a storyteller, a raconteur. So what I do at this part of the show is I look through the history books and try and find something, maybe something that people don't know, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. So that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Dun. Dun, 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 dun. Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short, direct, and to the point, just like everyone I've ever dated, including Tom. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing the 100% true story of the British Invasion Band that somehow inexplicably gave birth to one of America's most rednecky bands of the 80s. Okay. The, yes, the British Invasion, a term that refers to a period of the 1960s where British music and British culture flooded into popularity in America which makes a lot of sense uh, in a thematic sort of way because a lot of British rock bands like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, they developed a love of music from growing up listening to records of American rock acts like Buddy Holly and Elvis and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And since we're on the topic... Since we're on the topic, to be clear, American rock acts like Elvis and Buddy Holly uh, created rock and roll by stealing uh, rock and blues from black people. So to be clear, black people invented rock and roll, but that's not the focus, the 100% focus of this chef. It's just a fun side street that I wanted to do. So uh, the point is, is that suddenly... British music and British artists become popular in the United States in the 1960s. And I fully understand, because if you're a young person in America and it's like, hey, young kids, hey, teens, you want some music? Well, cool. Rock out to the totally swinging music of Fabian. <laughs> And it's like, hey, do you want us? Do you want some uh, some women to rock with? Well, here's one, Annette Funicello, sort of like safe and wholesome yeah. act, and Disney approved and sanitized, pretty boy sort of acts. So American youth took to British music as a sort of counterculture thing with acts like The Who and the, the Hollies and the Animals and the Kinks. And I really like the Kinks. Hey, if you're a director and you can't afford the Beatles, there's always the Kinks. Yes. Fun fact about uh, since we're on the subject of British invasion bands, when the Kinks were first starting out, uh, at, in their high school, in their prep school in England, they tried out a number of different singers, including, for a time, a fellow classmate of theirs named Roderick Stewart. Okay. And the Kings passed on Roderick Stewart 
And so Roderick formed his own band called Rob Stewart and the Moonrakers. And although there's no record of it, I'd like to think that Rob Stewart had that dramatic scene of like, fine, you're going to pass on me as the lead singer of the Kinks? Well, you'll see. You'll see. I'll start my own band and write my own music. And one day you'll see my name on the lights. Or my name's not Rod Stewart. Slams door. Yeah. You know, there's no record of that happening. But that, in my mind, that totally happened. Like Dave Mustaine was in early Metallica until he and in my mind, it's like, fine, you guys don't want me in Metallica? Well, I'll make my own metal band, and we'll be Megadeth, and we'll be harder than you, and you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> so, it, like, that scene keeps playing in my head over and over again of yeah. Rod Stewart. And, it's, and they had a friendly rivalry, the Kinks and Rod Stewart. And I'd like to think that Rod Stewart is there. I'm like, hey, Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve with Rod Stewart. And Rod Stewart's there in front of a million people on Times Square. And he's like, hello, everybody. I'd just like to say Happy New Year and fuck you, the kinks. <laughs> you're in this goddamn stage. No, you're not. I'm Rod Bleeding Stewart. Anyway. Um, but... But but this was all just a setup. Shap isn't about Roderick Stewart or the Kinks. It's about another British music band uh, uh, known as the Zombies. The Zombies. Okay. Funny. This is this is my thesis that I am hoping to prove. Okay. okay. Beyond the fact that the band the Zombies led to the formation of one of the most American bands of the 1980s. That's just a fun footnote. My thesis is the zombies were zombies. Okay. The zombies were a band that died and came back to life. Actual zombies. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So this is so, so this is my theory. This is the story of the zombies rise and fall and rise and how the band's breakup led to the creation of an 80s American rock band. And I feel like I'm jinxing myself saying this, but I, I, I also feel pretty confident that no one would guess the band. Okay. That the zombies helped uh, birth. But the Zombies were a British, British group. They were formed in 1962. Their album, Odyssey and Oracle, is number 100 on Rolling Stone's official list of the top 500 greatest albums of all time. Yeah. The Zombies are a big deal. The band was originally called the Mustangs and was formed by a wannabe musician, singer, songwriter named Rod Argent. His yeah. last name was Argent, and that's important to the story. Yeah. Rod Argent. So uh, Rod Argent wrote uh, a good chunk of the music for the band. He was also the keyboardist for the band. 
Paul Arnold was a band member and he came up with the name The Zombies because they were originally called The Mustangs, but there were a lot of bands called The Mustangs. And they were like, well, we need a name that that is unique. And uh, this bandmate, Paul Arnold, were like, how about the, the new zombies? originals and like, taken? Yeah, yeah. So then they came up with the new originals. And so... Yeah, so uh, Paul Arnold came up with the name The Zombies, and he would leave the band soon after that. The Zombies had an ever-rotating list of band members, which is also kind of an important part because of what happens later. So The Zombies are a British band, young mop toppers, and uh, they're, they're doing concerts and trying to get their name out there. And then the London Evening News has a musical competition, uh, and they're like, oh, we're going to find uh, Britain's next big band. Come to our, we're having a contest, and they enter the contest. The zombies enter the musical competition, and they win, and now their name is in the front page of the London Evening News, and they're really getting their name out there, so they sign with Decca Records shortly after the contest, and in 1964, they released their first single, She's Not There, which is a big hit. Yes. And a great song. Not the way she looks. Yeah, it's a great song. Mm-hmm. She's not there. It's a, it's a really good song. And it becomes a big hit in the UK and also in the US. And the next thing you know, these young mop toppers are touring America. And while they're in the US, they release their second sing- single, Tell Her No, which is another hit. Okay, let me, let, me, let me interject here just a little because I, I, I do like the zombies. But... <clears throat> But I, I've been working on the on the audio section of my Plex server for music and things like that. Um, yeah. So now I have like a new music classification in my head. You know. Okay. Like I need all of the Beatles. Yeah. Like there's no Beatles I can. I need all of Zeppelin. I need all of Queen. Zombies. Greatest hits will do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like. Yeah, I have, I have uh, all of the Beatles, all of uh, a tribe called Quest, all of the White Stripes. I have a Red Hot Chili Peppers greatest hits album. Yes, exactly. Makes perfect sense. But also, the Zombies only had about two albums. Yes. So getting the the zombies discography wouldn't be that big of a thing for you. Yeah. I think technically they released three albums, but, but the third one's a bit of a stretch, but yeah. So, so, so their second single, tell her, no, tell her, no, no, no. That's another hit for them. And the zombies are flying high. They have two hits. They're touring America. They're still super young. And so they go back to the UK and they release their first album called Begin Here. What a great name for your first album. What a great name for your first album. Oh, this is our first album. It's called This Is The First. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Be sure to look for our upcoming second album. It will be called Number Two. Yes. You know? That's the Zeppelin style. Yeah, yeah. In 1965, they released their first album, Begin Here. I I really like the song from that album, The Way I Feel Inside, 
which was in both the Life Aquatic and the animated movie Sing, which the kids like. Yeah. Uh, the gorilla sings it. Uh, the way I feel inside. Should I try something? Uh, so their first album is a mix of new music written by Rob Argent and uh, one other person and also some bluesy covers. And it sells pretty good, but no hit singles, no breakout songs. Uh, they keep writing music through 1965 and 1966, trying to match the the hit making potential of their first two hits. She's not there and tell her no. And just there's no there's no singles. There's no hits. Yeah. They're their their first two singles are still very, very popular, but all of the new music that they're coming up with, and they're coming up with a ton of new music, and Rob Argent is writing a ton of new music. There's just no hits there, and the studio's getting kind of upset. So they leave Decca Records, and they sign up with CBS Records. CBS is like, okay, maybe the problem is just that, you know, maybe, I don't know, Decca wasn't taking you seriously. We're going to take you seriously. We're sending you to Abbey Road Studios. It's the okay. best studio. And we're going to give you carte blanche and you're going to create your masterpiece, your epic album. And so they go to work on their big, huge, epic second album. And this one is bigger and they're taking it more seriously. And it's a it's a bit of a new direction, a new departure, because this one is big in scope and in soul. And so they release their second album in April of 1968. It is called Odyssey and Oracle. And nowadays people see it as one of the best albums of all time. Uh, and it's seen as a classic album. Really? But in April of 1968, no one gave two fucks for Bella. <laughs> it didn't sell. There were no breakout singles. It was not a hit. It didn't get a lot of radio time. And they are bummed as fuck because they've been writing music through 1965 and 1966 and 1967. And finally, they have their big record and they release it to little to no fanfare. They released one single in 1968. And it, it, it's like the bottom of the charts. And no one cares about this song that they release in April of 1968. Okay. It was not a hit. The studio was upset. It seemed like a sad defeat. The record barely sold. The band tried to release a third album, but it didn't happen. Eventually, that third album did come out. It came out in Japan, but then... Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Technically, there's a third album out there, but it didn't happen at the time. And so in eventually at, in 1968, the zombies disbanded. They broke up. And this is just the start of the story. Yeah. OK, the zombies have broken up. So Rod Argent, who wrote a good chunk of the hits, formed a second band appropriately titled Argent and they were successful in their old in their own right they sang that goddamn 70s song hold your head up boys. okay hold your head yeah that was that was a big hit here you go Jane yeah play that it's super loud and I'm doing the podcast okay so 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 yeah so Argent 
from the zombies went on to have their own career and a number of hits. And then when Argent like started uh, not having hits in the in the late 70s, early 80s, Argent went on to write music for movies and TV shows. So the guy had a big career, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, and also the band Argent wrote and and recorded in the 70s the original song God Gave Rock and Roll to You which Kiss would later cover for the second Bill and Ted movie. Yeah. So Argent was was a big success. The rest of the band went their separate ways too. Two of them went to work for Columbia Records. Another one helped Rod Argent write songs for Argent. One retired from music. One got a job in insurance. And then something weird happened. Okay. And broke up. Everyone went their separate ways. And uh, all the record company CBS Records has is this second CD that didn't sell. And I mean, we released a single in April of 1968, but it's this weird hippie song and no one's going to like it. And, you know, but but then 1968 comes and goes and still this single is on the bottom of the charts and nobody cares and it's barely getting any airplay. And then the year changes and it's 1969 and there's social unrest and there's civil unrest. There's violence and protests in the streets. There are hippies, drug culture, LSD. People are protesting hippies, yippies, drugs. There are flower people wearing flowers in their hair. And young people are looking for a song that will define them and define their culture and define the era. And they find that in the song, the one song from the Zombies album, Odyssey and Oracle, that they released in a, as a single in 1968. And no one gave a shit about the song. Even the studio was like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to be a hit. No one's going to care about this. What was the name of the song again? Oh, yeah. It's the time of the season of loving. What the fuck even is that? Oh, yeah. Who gives a shit? This is not going to be a hit. But then 1969 rolls around and suddenly this old, like, year-old single is the most popular freaking song in America. Yeah. It is a huge hit. Everyone's playing it. And this song from a broken-up band becomes the song that basically defines the entire 1960s. <laughs> This is basically the theme of 1969, the theme of the entire decade. And the company is like, damn it, this is so huge. We're selling so much, so many copies of Odyssey and Oracle. So many people love this single. And and and, and suddenly the, the zombies are a big hit and people want the zombies to tour. Okay, let's go to Rod Argent. Hey, Rod Argent, you guys got to bring the zombies back together. Because uh, you have a huge, like, number one hit single and everyone wants you to tour. And Rod Argent is like, uh, okay, two things. Number one, fuck. Number two, you. <laughs> Broke the fuck up. I have a second band. I have Argent now. And I'm not going to go touring for with the zombies 
the band broke up. We are dead. We are dead. And there is no bringing the zombies back to life. Yes. Well, what is a studio to do when all of uh, the planet wants a band to tour, but the band doesn't exist? Well, uh, here's the thing. Let's really think about this, okay? Uh, who even knows who the fuck the zombies are? Really? I mean, could like, like, uh, besides Rod Argent, no one knows who the drummer of the zombies are. No one could pick out the bassist of the zombies from a lineup. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 I think if you showed me a picture of the turtles and said this was the zombies, I'd be all right. Yeah, yeah, and and also when the band was around, there was always a rotating list of people. Oh, we replaced this drummer with this drummer. We replaced this uh, guitarist with this other guitarist. They were always changing bandmates. So you know what? Someone got an idea. Um, why don't we the Archies this bitch? <laughs> because the Archies were a fake band comprised of Archie, Betty, Veronica, and freaking Jughead. But they got a huge smash hit out of Sugar Sugar, so we got some session people together and said, hey, you're the Archies now. Go tour. We own the the zombies. Can we do that? And so they got some some, uh, people together, uh, some uh, session people, and we're like, hey, you're the zombies now. Go on tour. America is waiting to eat you up. But it wasn't the zombies. It was the fake zombies. Okay. So in 1969, the zombies came back to life. And basically, zombie the zombies. Yes. Zombieception. This is zombieception because the band of zombies died and then came back to life as fake zombies. So in 1969, there were two different fake zombie bands that were touring America. The, <laughs> of just session people that were like, here, put on this suit, uh, pretend to be British. You're the zombies now. So they got a, there were two bands. That toured in 1969 and 1970 and 1971 and 1972. Uh, one of the fake zombie bands were a group of uh, session uh, musicians from Michigan. And important, the other fake zombie band were a bunch of uh, session musicians from Texas. Okay. So uh, fake zombies. This is this is ironic that there were fake zombies running all over the place. This is exactly what Alanis Morissette sang about. This chap is like rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. So, <laughs> so yeah, this is, so here's the crazy part. So here's the crazy part. The seventies happen and the fake zombies are touring and they're touring 1970, 1971, 1972. And then finally, you know, after a while, like mid-70s, late-70s, the studio says, okay, time of the season is dying down. You fake zombies, you're no longer the zombies anymore. You guys can go your separate ways. 
And one band says, okay, well, that was fun. Okay, let's go back to our regular lives. And the other band from Texas is like, okay, let's go our separate ways. But two people from the Texas group, the fake zombies from Texas, are like, hey, uh, I was... I was the drummer, you were the bass player, like, uh, we had fun, right? Wasn't that fun? Being the zombies and touring and, uh, you know, having crowds and that that was so much fun that I don't want to just go back to being a session musician. Let's start our own band. Okay. You know, it's the late 70s. We're no longer the zombies anymore, but that was really fucking fun. Let's start our own band. So the bassist, a guy named Dusty Hill, and the drummer, a guy named Frank Beard, started their own band. And they're looking for a name. They're like, okay, we got a band. We need a name. And they have a shitty small apartment, and the walls are just covered in concert posters. And they're looking at the concert posters, and they're like, well, uh, okay, so we're trying to come up with a name for our band. And like, look, you see all the names of people who use initials? We should be an initial band. We should have initials in our band. Because so many people, like, look, there's ZZ Hill and yeah. there's B.B. King. There you go. That's our band name. We'll combine those two together. Our name is ZZ King. And uh, But then they're like, oh, wait, that's too similar. There's another There's another band that is similar to ZZ King. We need something. We, we got to lose the king. So then, uh, like the 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 bassist is like, well, the king is like he's he's the he's the top of the chain, you know. He there's no one higher than the king. He's the top. Okay, so that's how they came up with their band name, ZZ Top. Okay, and they became so so the people who wrote and. Uh, and Legs. She's got legs and she knows how to use them. They yeah. were a fake zombies band. <laughs> nice. That blows my mind that ZZ Top was created because a studio wanted to create a fake band for It's the Time of the Season of Loving. I am blown away by this. And now like, suddenly I recognize their names too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's incredible. So ZZ Top started out as a fake zombies band. Like, even, like, that's the icing on the cake. Because I think the story of the zombies is already a really good story. But the fact that somehow the, the band The Zombies gave birth to ZZ Top, that's just... Yes. The that's the exclamation point at the end of the sentence, and I know I've said this before, but I will say it again. I'm kind of shocked that people don't know this story because this yes. shit is fascinating. That is a damn good story. Absolutely fascinating. I love you, Amber. Have fun at work. Hey, you got some time off after this. Oh yay! Love you. Have a good day. So that's it for Steve's historic approximations this week. Oh, yeah. Next week, we will be discussing a woman who I have dubbed the killer of boats. Okay. Uh, Violet the boat killer. That is our... Okay.
Go, go. So that's our story for next week. Violet the Boat Killer. I'm very excited for that one. So join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations. And on that, Bunny. Yes. We still have a we, we still have a movie to get to. We need to discuss the movie. We need to discuss uh, a 1915 World's Fair. We need to discuss Brock Lesnar. We need to discuss SCTV. We need to discuss uh, uh, a surprisingly large amount of things. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. And break. Break. Here's the mic. This is all our turf. Certified frustration free packaging. Hmm. Not. Not frustrating. That's good. Guess I just pull here and. Uh, damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Okay. No. For some strange reason, I just love angry people. This next one is called... This next one's a weird one. It's called Worst Commercials on TV. It's just a list of the commercials that this guy hates. You gotta know this guy's old. Gotta know this guy's old. Mass mass Mutual Burial Insurance. I'll tell you what's cheaper than insurance at a funeral. A credit card and cremation? I don't even know what that means. Cancer Treatment Centers of America. I'm so sick of seeing funeral and cancer commercials. It's like if they saturate your mind long enough, you'll eventually get cancer and die from the power of suggestion. To hell with them all. Vagina. Vagina. Viagra and erectile dysfunction commercials. How the hell am I supposed to explain to a five-year-old what an erection is? Yeah, you won't explain to a five-year-old what an erection is, but he'll explain to a five-year-old 
that if you do something bad, then Satan's gonna drag you into hell where you'll burn for eternity. Oh, but I can't tell you about the penis, cause that's bad. Jackasses. Uh, Native American Indian commercials. Look, we all know that Indians were here first and they generally don't cause any trouble. They are mostly just self-destructive to themselves through substance abuse. We don't really need to hear the gibberish language or shameless self-promotion. Even if it did help us win World War II, that would be like us bragging about our European ancestors having descendants on the space shuttle. In fact, shameless self-promotion runs right up there with the ABC David Muir app. I'm so sick of that guy, I can puke. I, I... I don't understand that at all. This one really gets me. St. Jude's Children's Hospital. It costs how many millions of dollars per day to keep the doors open? Before I'll donate a dime to this organization, I want a complete list of every employee and what their salaries are. Something's wrong if it costs several million dollars a day to run. To run. That's the spinning into the spittoon, because we're talking about the Midwest here. Speaking of cancer, I can understand the need to run an air traffic control radar at a busy airport. But do we really need to run five or six redundant weather radars continuously year-round? It's funny how the weather guys think they are saving lives, but in reality, they're probably killing thousands of old people each year. That's some serious, uh, Alex Jones level conspiracy there. You get like a, you get like a muffin basket for that. had cause to laugh today, and no, I'm not talking about Trump care. They're fine with that. The book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide, released on February 8, 2017 and written by Michael J. Knowles, became Amazon's number one bestseller. The book, which contains 266 blank pages, has a loyal fan base who were more than happy to leave a review singing its praise. While many found the book informative, captivating, and the best book they have seen this year, others found that the 266 blank pages actually gave them nightmares. Some purchasers of the book found the blank pages too daunting and are anxiously awaiting the audio version. The GOP base, who vigilantly scrutinizes 
any and all events or even the slightest hint of conspiracy concocted this very plausible scenario. Quote, I totally called that Dems would copy this idea and call it their own. Remember kids, if they didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have standards at all. Unquote. In fact, this has already happened when liberal trolls released this book two months earlier. Why Trump Deserves Trust, Respect, and Admiration, written by David King, contains 206 blank pages. TPOP analyst Floyd Likes the Cox notes that it took Michael J. Knowles two months to plagiarize a blank book. While many agree with Mr. Likes the Cox, critics are quick to point out that blank novelty books have been a staple of the publishing and novelty industry for many years. They believe that this may indicate that the plagiarism could potentially go back much, much further. Those who are aware of the book Why Trump Deserves Trust, Respect, and Admiration repeatedly point out that that book never made the number one spot on Amazon's bestseller list. Research conducted by Satoshi Kanazawa of the London School for Economics and Political Science seems to indicate that Democrats prefer books that actually have words in them. The Death of Richie, the Special Edition. The Death of Richie is a 1977 made-for-TV movie, and now, with the Death of Richie Special Edition, now out on Blu-ray and DVD, you can watch the Death of Richie as it was originally meant to be. Gone are all of the old and outdated scenes of a young man struggling with a drug addiction, and in its place is the scene at the end of La Bamba where actor Isai Morales calls out for his brother. It's the Death of Richie Special La Bamba Edition. Gone are Robbie Benson, and in its place... One hour and 35 minutes of Isai Morales yelling for Richie. That's all it is. Just Isai Morales yelling for Richie. Do you like seeing Mexicans yell for their dead brother? Of course you do. And now with the death of Richie, the special edition... You can watch one hour and 35 minutes of Isai Morales yelling for his brother. <laughs> That's right, Isai Morales. Richie! It's the death of Richie, the special edition.
longer than him. So. Judge me by my size, do you? Mmm. My penis you have not seen. Huge it is. Mmm. Yes. Suck it you will. Mmm. Grandpa, I want the truth about Christmas. If it's the truth you want, then it's the scary truth you're gonna have. According to the Book of Claus, Santa, Satan's only son, lost a bet and was forced to spread Christmas cheer. Now, all bets are off. Santa? Yes, there is a Santa Claus. or a legend. He's real. Only he's not bearing gifts and presents anymore. Christmas can sure scare the dickens out of people. He's scary yet educational. I'm just trying to spread a little yuletide fear. Are you saying Santa is offing everyone who's naughty and nice? Oh my God! Nicholas shot him! You shot Santa? Yeah. Run away! Santa's on the loose! This holiday season... Lock your doors. Bolt the windows. Oh, Grandpa got run over by a reindeer. Everyone stand back. Things are about to get a little messy. And block the chimney. Cause naughty or nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa's sleigh. Go ahead, kid. Let's see what Santa got you. I hate children. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Okay, look, Bunny, we need to talk about this. Uh, when we were not streaming this podcast yes. online, you, uh, uh, I would bring us into the commercials. Uh, and now that we're doing it online and, and on Facebook and stuff, you have been bringing us into commercials. And, and I appreciate all that you're doing. I just have a note. When I would do it, I would stretch out the ah in back. And I tried to do it as annoying as possible. You do it very good, and I'm, I'm, I'm not judging in any way. I'm just saying that when I would do it, I would go, 
And we're back. You know, I really went for like the back of the throat, like a guttural sort of a back in the hopes of just annoying people as much as possible when we were coming into a break. And you know what? Do with that knowledge what you will. <laughs> just wanted to bring that up. It's been bugging me for a little bit. And I, I want there to be some some healthy discussion between the both of us. You know, this is a relationship. Yes. You know, to work, to make a relationship work. That's the yes. fuel that the relationship runs upon. Anywho. <clears throat> Act three, money. Act three. Act three. <sighs> yes, money, my friend. It is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to casually stroll on in to our third and final act. And for the uninitiated out there, the third act is wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all new low cost, but still the same great taste you know and love, but it's only available for a limited time. So act now, supplies are limited. Movie of the week. And so this week we watch uh, a, a, a demonic Jewish Santa kill a surprisingly big cast. Yes. In the 2005 directed DVD film, Santa's Sleigh. Yes. Now, uh, uh, Bunny, uh, uh, to, to, to quote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, let's get down to brass tacks. How much do you want for the monkey? <laughs> uh, let's just really just get into it. Is this a good bad movie or is this a bad bad movie? Because I can't tell. I I gotta put it in the good bad category. And yeah. It, it there are a lot of different levels that I actually like this movie on. One it's more of an old fashioned Hollywood B-movie. You know, okay. I mean, money was fucking there spent were some here. What? Well, yeah, there were some names in this movie. Robert Culp was in this. Yes. In a starring role. And you know who Robert... Robert Culp in this movie looks so much like, and I forgot his name, but the guy who owned Spawn's Ranch... Spawn Ranch. Brewster. The the cowboy. Yes, he looked so much like that was a Bruce Dern role. Yes. You know? The wily old coot that no one believes. Yeah. But he's a grandpa. That was like so him. That was a Bruce Dern role. It took a while for me to realize that, like, oh shit, Bruce Dern isn't in this movie. That's Robert Culp. Fucking no yeah. kidding. For him, <laughs> yeah, there were some, there were some names in this film. That was surprising. The names, and and I I think they did a pretty good job of of telling a horror Christmas story. I I, I felt like I felt like I was watching like three or four different movies. I mean, opening like, up with killing the the most obnoxious family on earth. 
uh, yeah, and it was other a than great opening, other than Rebecca Gayhart, everybody else was Jewish. This is the most Jewish Christmas movie I've ever seen. It does. It does have a heavy, uh, like I don't know what they're trying to say here. <laughs> you know, there is a heavy Jewish element. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is the most Jewish Christmas movie I've ever seen. And I thought that maybe like I tried to see the film in the terms of well maybe this was like some like a Santa's sleigh is to Christmas what like the inglorious bastards were the Nazis. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe there were so many Jewish people in this movie because this is a movie about how, hey, Christians, you know that holiday you celebrate, Christmas? Well, we're fucking it up. And now Satan is evil. Now Santa is evil and he's the spawn of Satan and he's going to start killing people. And guess what? There's going to be a ton of Jews in it. <laughs> maybe this movie was an attempt for Jewish people to sort of take back Christmas. Like, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. There is not a lot of information about the making of this movie. Yeah. But there's a surprising amount of Jews in this Christmas movie. Which again is a surprise because because money was spent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, granted not huge amounts, but like James Conn doesn't come cheap and neither does Fran fucking Drescher. Yeah. You know? Okay, so so Bunny, I, I have a short story to to put this week's movie, Santa's Sleigh, in a very personal perspective. Okay. okay. This story is one hundred percent related to the movie Santa's Sleigh. Okay. 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 So it's two thousand and four and I still watch wrestling. Okay, this is a true story. Um, Natasha and I have been dating for about a year, and uh, we're really getting along, and I've been introduced to her one-year-old daughter, Emerald, and Emerald loves me, and we're spending time together, Natasha and I as a couple, but also, you know, in the beginning, it was just Natasha and I going on dates, but now we're doing it together, just me and Natasha. And Emerald, and we're having so much fun. And and at the time, Natasha is working a lot, and she has a lot of money. And it, every once in a blue moon, she would lavish me with something. I had uh, Edwood.org was originally a GeoCities site. Really? Okay. Yeah, it was a GeoCities website, and then in like two thousand. Uh, Three or 2004, Natasha was like, hey, why don't you get like edward.com or edward.org or something? And I'm like, yeah, but that's this whole thing online and money and I don't know how to do it. And she said, I got money. I got time. Fuck it. And so she bought edward.org oh, for nice. me. So that was something that she did when we first got together. And she was like, hey, uh, I got money. Uh, I want to be supportive. Fuck it. I'll buy edward.org for you. And uh, uh in October, she took me to go see the band Primus at the Warfield in San Francisco. And we had 
we had balcony seats and it, it was so much fun because the band Primus is from San Francisco. So yeah. every around Halloween, they do big, massive shows. And I liked Primus. I really liked one particular album, which was Sailing the Seas of Cheese. I listened to that a lot when I was in high school because I felt like an outcast and I felt like the music of Primus sounded like how I feel. Yeah. As essentially a white person in uh, a Latino's body trying to interact with other white people, but I'm not a white person. And if you want to understand how that feels, just listen to the Primus's album, Pork Soda. Okay. And it's like, wow, this music is weird. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's how Steve felt. So I always, I always felt a personal connection to Primus. And for in, in I think, to, yeah, in 2004, they did uh, two Halloween shows in San Francisco, and they would be playing Sailing the Seas of Cheese in its entirety. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I really want to go see that, but it's the tickets are going to be super expensive, and it's Halloween, and it's in San Francisco, and, like, we can't do that. And Natasha's like, I got the money. Uh, we're dating. It, it, we'll we'll call it a date. Uh, fuck it. So she bought us tickets, and we saw Primus, and we we went out to dinner in San Francisco, and it was just, you know, it it was so much fun. She so so cut to it's two thousand and four, and uh, Brock Lesnar is the champion in WWE. <laughs> okay, and he he took the belt from Goldberg. He cheated because Goldberg had retired from WCW, but now he was back and he had the title and Brock Lesnar cheated him out of the title. And so now Brock Lesnar is the champion, but they've never given the belt to Eddie Guerrero. And it was believed yeah. that like they'll never do that because he's a Latino and the WWE has a hard time giving the belt to, to minorities, just period, even today in 2020. Like, just look at uh, Kofi Kingston's very depressing uh, uh, title run, and and there you go. So, uh, Eddie Guerrero was trying to get the championship from Brock Lesnar, and I'm like, I'm like, he could actually do it. He, there's a good chance he might actually get the title. And uh, there was a pay per view that was happening: Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar for the championship at No Way Out, and it was going to be in San Francisco at the Cow Palace. Okay. I and I'm like we're going to the Cow Palace. Cool. Um a couple of questions. Number 1, what the fuck is the Cow Palace? And number 2, why the fuck is it called the Cow Palace? Yeah. And I never looked that up. So I looked it up. And oh my god, this could be a shack. But here's 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 the story. So there's a World's Fair that's going to happen in San Francisco in 2015, okay? Yeah. And 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 so as happens with World's Fairs, San Francisco is building all of these buildings and oh, this will be the science building and this will be the agriculture building and we're going to have uh what is it produce animals uh, it, it, there's going to be, you know, we're going to have, yes, thank you, a livestock exhibition. And, and there's going to be animals from all over the world. And we're going to build this massive stadium 
for the agricultural exhibit of the World's Fair. And it's 1914, and they're sinking a shit ton of money into building all of the things for the World Fair, especially the agricult the the agricultural building, and so the local newspaper gets pissed off. And it's 1914, and the newspaper goes says, and I quote, "Why, when people are starving, should money be spent on a palace for cows?" Good point. And uh, so they're building this stadium, and the person who's building the stadium is like, you know what? Uh, fuck that newspaper. Fuck that reporter. In fact, I've got a great way to fuck him up. We don't have a name for this. Fuck it. We're calling this a cow palace. Nice. One reason and one nice reason revenge. only to piss off the local newspaper. So, yeah, to this day, like, over 100 years later, the Cow Palace is still there. And it's called the Cow Palace because the guy who built it wanted to fuck with the media. <laughs> so, so, so I wanted to go see the pay-per-view because it, it was a close pay-per-view. And uh, Natasha's like, have you ever been to a pay-per-view? You've never been to a pay-per-view? And Eddie Guerrero is going to be in this one? Fuck it. I'll buy the tickets. So she bought tickets for uh, Emerald and herself and I. And we went. It was my first pay-per-view, February 15th, 2004. And uh, it, the whole thing was, oh, uh Bill Goldberg's coming back for that title. That title is rightfully mine. And you screwed me over, Brock Lesnar. And so... Uh, Brock Lesnar is distracted by Goldberg and isn't paying attention to his upcoming challenger, Eddie Guerrero, whom I love because of Latino heat. And uh, so Brock Lesnar and his manager, Paul Heyman, have Goldberg fired. Okay. And so Goldberg is fired, and he is not allowed in the building during uh, during uh, No Way Out. He will not be wrestling. He is no longer with the WWE. He is not allowed uh, to, to be at the pay-per-view. And so halfway through the pay-per-view, Goldberg shows up in the audience, and everyone freaks out. And um, Paul Heyman comes out and like, you can't be here. You can't be here. Oh, but look at that. He bought front row tickets. <laughs> okay. Oh, he's just a regular guy. Look, I'm in my boots, I'm in jeans, and I'm in a t-shirt. And, and so he's sitting in the front row, and everyone's like, oh, he's going to interfere in the match. Keep an eye on Goldberg. What's Goldberg doing? What's Goldberg doing? Oh, what is he doing? Is he going to interfere in the match? And the whole time that I'm there, the only thing I'm thinking of is, well, yeah, of course he's going to interfere in the match. What the fuck is on his shirt? What What the hell is Santa's sleigh? What do you mean? Because he was wearing a shirt from the mo upcoming movie Santa's sleigh. Oh, I guess okay. Made up shirts for the cast, and he just put the shirt on at the pay-per-view, and everyone's like, oh, Goldberg's going to do something. And I'm like, yeah, everyone knows he's going to... Uh, cost Brock Lesnar the title, but the fuck is Santa's sleigh? <laughs> Wait, what, is, what, what the hell does that mean? Is that like a... 
Is that is that like a murderous Santa? What the fuck is Santa's sleigh? I have to know what Santa's sleigh is. So so uh, Eddie Guerrero won the title, and uh, Goldberg helped him win, and uh, that was two thousand and four. And now, finally, sixteen years later, full circle, funny. Yes. I'm finally seeing Santa's sleigh. Not only did I think that that was a fun story, but also I kind of would have rather talked about that story than this week's movie. <laughs> so, um, Santa's okay. So, so with that out of the way, <laughs> Santa's sleigh. Finally, the SNL slash SCTV slash the nanny slash good Godfather crossover we've all been yes. waiting for. Yes. That kind of covers And like he, 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 sure a lot of people saw the the movie The Godfather and said, "Wow, what a great drama." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you know what this needs? Uh uh Dave Thomas and and uh the rest of SCTV. That would have yes. really made The Godfather better if like, oh, uh Oh, uh, Fredo, hey, don't get killed. And also, oh, look, Bob and Doug McKenzie are here. We had, okay, where are you seeing the rest of SCTV? I saw Dave Thomas. Yeah. And was glad he had a job, you know? Yeah, no, there's no one else from SCTV, but just the fact that there's someone from SNL, there's someone from SCTV, the nanny gets killed in the beginning. Oh. And uh, fucking uh, the the guy from the Godfather, what's his name? James he's also He's also Jewish. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, Chris Kattan, Fran Drescher, Sal Rubinek, Saul Rubinek. Yes. In this, he, I love. I, I know him from uh, True Romance and Unforgiven. Uh, I know him great. from a lot of places. I just don't know where. <laughs> he was the guy they were selling the coke to in True Romance. Yeah, that's that's primarily how I know him. He was also like a journalist in Unforgiven, and like I didn't. He was my favorite part of Unforgiven. Yes. Clint Eastwood. Um, James Kahn is Jewish. Bill Goldberg was born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he's also Jewish. This is the most Jewish Christmas movie that I have ever seen. Yes. And... And yeah, I think my theory is good that this was this was a okay. So, why 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 don't you hit us with the plot <laughs> of this? This will be easy. Curly. Yeah, yeah. Well, Santa comes back to town, and Santa is evil. Santa is the son of Satan. Uh, that is pretty much the whole prologue. Even in the opening credits, they, they had drawings from a book, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, and there is a, a kid, your typical kid, which I thought was was 
right for this type of movie, for what they were trying to do. Yeah. And, of course, he has a girlfriend, and he starts picking up on, on somethings with Santa, and he talks to his crazy grandfather, and he tells him how he's actually an angel, and they had a curling contest, which, come on. How many movies curling. have curling? Huh? You got to give me an additional this two is, points okay. just for the fucking curling subplot. Okay, so so let me let me add an addendum. This is the most Jewish and most Canadian Christmas movie I've ever seen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the angel beats Santa in a curling competition. In a very Rankin Bass animated sequence. Come yeah. on, nice touch. All yes, right. it was. It was. Uh, and Santa basically has to be good for a thousand years. And the thousand years is over when they start filming the movie just by a strange coinky dink. Yeah. And Santa is Bill, Bill Goldman, and he starts. And I love this fucking costume. And I loved the big-ass wildebeest that was pulling his fucking sled. You know? uh, I, yeah, it was, it, was, it was essentially Appa from Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Goldberg called his reindeer by going, Appa, yip, yip! <laughs> That's how it works. Uh... And they defeat Santa Claus. That's about the, that's the plot. And it's not a terribly complicated plot, but I think they successfully hit all of the tropes that they needed to hit for both a Christmas movie and a horror movie. Yeah. You know what I you know what I felt like? I felt like the reason why this movie exists is bad Santa. Yeah. Because bad Santa came out two years before Santa's sleigh was released. It cost about $20 million and made about $76 million. So I feel that Santa's sleigh was a studio's attempt to cash in on the uh irreverent Christmas you know uh, with the cranks yeah bad Santa Santa's you know that that's how I that's how I read this yeah but then at the last second, the studio uh, chickened out about Santa's sleigh and it went direct to DVD. Yeah. I don't, I don't, it, it does look like money was spent on this film. Oh, yeah. That being said, I don't know how this would have done in the box office. You know? Mm, I don't know. How's Christmas movies in general selling at the box office? And it could have caught some controversy as well, which really would have pushed it up. Yeah. That is a good point. Uh, 
Bill O'Reilly still existed. A lot of the big names. True. Bill O'Reilly has been in a lot of movies as Bill O'Reilly. Like, 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 uh, Jay Leno used to be. You know, he was always Jay Leno in some movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so, um, no, 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 I mean that Bill O'Reilly would start screaming on his show about a killer Santa Claus movie and the war on Christmas, and that would definitely give the movie a big pump in the theaters. That is a good point. A lot of people would, would, yeah, because Fox News was a thing. Yeah, no, no, that does track. A lot of people would go to see this movie because people were protesting it. It's and God spoke. Yeah, I, I, I just can't like like James Khan is not a big enough name for me to roll out to the theater. You know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they tried, and- but I, I'm saying it, it would have a shot theatrically, but it, it's a straight to DVD movie. It's a very good straight DVD movie as far as DVD movies go. But that's what it is. Yeah. A lot of the big names like James Caan and and Fran Drescher and stuff come from the fact that the writer and director of Santa's Sleigh is a guy named David Steinman and he was Brett Ratner's personal assistant for like years. Yeah, and so this was David Steinman's first attempt at making a movie, and Brett Ratner, executive, produced it and put a bunch of his big name friends in it. So that's probably how they got James Caan and Rebecca Gayhart because they were married. Yeah, uh, and uh, I don't know, maybe Robert Culp, but I don't know when the last time was I saw him in anything. Yeah. But it was still nice to see Robert Culp, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, first off, I would like to take this time to say that uh, Bill Goldberg can't act for shit. Yeah. But this is the perfect film for him to be bad at acting it. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like how um, Batista locked out by being in Guardians of the Galaxy as a clueless alien because he was never that good at the on the mic as a wrestler, and yeah. he was always kind of clueless. So he's found an acting role where he can basically be himself, but in green body paint. Yes. So Bill Goldberg can't act for shit, but murderous Santa, this is the perfect film for him. Yeah, I mean, all he had to do was just kick people around and come off with a one-liner here and there. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a challenging role. Yeah. And also, uh, one good thing I can say about this movie is... uh, 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 Fucking... Oh, uh, Bill Goldberg was like a notorious bachelor, and then uh, who who lived a, a crazy fast lifestyle. And while he was on the set of this movie, he met and fell in love with 
a female uh, a stunt woman. Really? Um, okay. They fell in love, started dated, dating. They got married uh, the next year, and now they have a kid together. Nice. So a child, so a, so a human being exists on this planet solely because of the movie Santa's sleigh. Yes. That is fascinating to me. That if this movie was never made, there would be one less human on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> that is fascinating to me. But Bill Goldberg can't act for shit, but this is the perfect movie for him. But also, watching this movie, there's a reason he didn't become the next Rock the Dwayne Johnson. Yes, no. Yeah. No, it, it's definitely a one-shot, just like Kane, you know? They tried giving Kane a horror movie, and, and th- that's it. That's the extent, you know? The first, uh, that's the see no evil movies. And the first one was so successful that they did release a second one. But also, you're right, you can't put Kane in any other movies. Yeah. There's a reason why Netflix canceled the big show show. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. But they did get a Christmas special that just came out that uh, will tie the loose ends from season one of the big show show. Okay. Yeah, so I know you're going to be watching that intently. Thank, thank God. Yes. The big show show. I'm bringing it back. This is full circle. This is the circle of life. This yes. is Imba. Did you... Like I did said, you... Kevin Nash tried to act a couple of times and just can't do it. So it's just like, hey, we need a big guy. You'll bring in some wrestling fans to our movie. Here you uh, uh, make fun of his acting all you want, Bunny. But when he gets an Oscar for his next film, COVID nineteen invasion, yes, then who's gonna be laughing? <laughs> who's gonna be laughing then? Because oh, best actor, best uh, screenplay, best movie. Uh, Do you know who will be laughing? I'll tell you who will be laughing. You know who will be laughing. Triple H from his role in Blade 3 will be laughing. Blade Trinity. Yes. Yes. Wasn't he like a prep vampire? Like a preppy preppy vampire? Yeah, he was just the muscle. Yeah, okay. Yeah, wow, huge. And then Edge was in one of the Highlanders. Yeah. Edge had a small part in, I think, Highlander 3, Tokyo Drift. I think. But Highlander's confusing. Did you see the entire credits, Bunny? Um... Of this I'm week's movie. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's they an end credit, credit sequence is why I'm saying this. I saw Bill Goldberg at the airport. Santa oh. at the airport. When yeah, he was yeah, yeah. leaving at the end of the movie. Yeah, uh, okay, so at the end... Yeah. At the end... 
and he's in his Santa outfit and he's going through his list, checking it twice and seeing who's been naughty or nice. And then he turns slowly and looks at the camera and then he says, who's next? And that was his goddamn catchphrase as a wrestler. And I just felt that oh. that was cheap. Yeah. It's like in Moana where it's like, oh, here's the rock. And he's Maui. And that's great. But right before he sings his song, You're Welcome, his character Maui does the people's eyebrow. And it's like, oh, well, that's cheap. It's like John Cena is trying to act and he's trying to do really good. And and I... And he's getting more roles, and he was in uh, Bumblebee, and uh, he's in, I think, the upcoming uh, uh, Fast and the Furious movie, and and, and he's and apparently the buzz for that is so big that. He's already got a TV show set up for his Suicide Squad character on H. You're freezing up a bit. Ooh, he dropped completely. Can he get back in? Does he need a new invite? The exciting behind the scenes. We are waiting to see if he makes it back. Let's just cut back to the first break while we're waiting. Wow. 
Natasha may have unplugged the internet accidentally. Afternoon of March 10th. Oh, well, that's I, what happened. While okay. I was figuring out what to do, I cut back to break. <laughs> okay. So here we are. We're back again. Where's Spring? Okay. Uh, okay. Hello, everyone. We are back live. So you were going on a John uh, Cena rant. Up. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Cena's doing really well for himself as an actor, but you never see him in a Fast and the Furious movie going, you can't see me, because that would be cheap. Yeah. I'm saying. So I think he's not embracing his wrestling roots, and I think that's why right now he's doing very good as an actor, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. but I just felt I just felt that it was cheap that they made uh, Santa Claus say Goldberg's catchphrase. I just thought that was that was cheap. Yeah, is what it is. So, so, so that's all I have for Santa Slay. At first, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, well, uh, I watched the movie, and then uh, after this week, I can delete it. From my computer, never to see it again. So happy to be getting rid of this movie. But then, but then I was like, you know what? Like, then I saw it a second time. And then the third time I saw the movie, I said, you know what? Fuck it. So I just put it on my computer and I'm like, I'll leave it there. I could see one day watching this again, you know? This is the sort of thing that, like, if Natasha and, and I and, and, and uh, the kids, if, if it's, like, 2 a.m. and we're drinking and we're all on the couch hanging out and, and it's like, okay, maybe I'll just put on Santa's sleigh and, like, yeah, I, know you lose I don't know, but it's so ridiculous seeing, like, the dog get kicked and uh, I really liked the opening. Yeah. I really did like the opening where he, where he kicks the dog and he stabs James Khan and he burns Fran Drescher's face off. You know, who hasn't wanted to do that? Exactly. Exactly my point. Yeah. And then Chris Kattan is like, oh, I'll take you on Bill Goldberg. And it's like, oh, well, you're just asking for it at this point. Yeah. Of all the people to try and stand up to Bill Goldberg, you're like, oh. Don't worry, Chris Kattan has this covered. <laughs> Goldberg down. Oh, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. One half of the Roxbury is going to take down WCW champion Bill Goldberg. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It, it. I feel like it's... It felt like I was watching three different movies. I was watching some sort of teen romance. I was watching a, 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 a young teen and his old man. I was watching a cheesy Christmas movie. I was watching a comedy. I was watching a gore, gory horror film with titties. Kind of like when you watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah. And people freaking love that movie now. Jesus. <laughs> People love that movie now. Universal Studios embraced it, and every year they do Halloween Horror Nights. And at yeah. first, they had a uh, they had a Killer Clowns from Outer Space scare 
uh, zone where the characters were walking around scaring people. And that was so popular. They did it like the year after that. And then the third year they got their own haunted house. And that haunted house was so popular that they got another haunted house again the year after that and there's killer clowns from outer space merchandise at universal studios yeah. and there are people seeing the movie but because they're such theme park fans they're like i know the name of that clown and that clown and that clown and okay and so like yeah the theme park community has fallen in love with of all freaking things killer clowns <laughs> from outer so weird Oh, have you seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Like, yeah, when I was like 10. When I was like 14, I saw Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You're watching it now. I watched it then and have already fallen in love with it and forgotten about it. Yes, exactly. Oh, it's weird that like, hey, Dad, can you get Killer Clowns from Outer Space? And it's like, oh, I already have it. Of course, I already. Are you kidding me? This isn't a new thing. Yeah. Ridiculous. But what I'm trying to go for this Christmas is we've had a shitty 2020 and I found all of these really bad movies that we were going to do. But God damn it. It's fucking this year has been so hard. Yes. Yes, it this has. Year, this year has sucked. So I'm just trying to go for like instead of just punishing us with with, oh, this this religious film uh, is now uh, right up there with Saving Christmas as the worst Christian movie of all time. And it's like, no, that's going to hurt. Let's just finish yeah. 2020 off. And then afterwards, we'll worry about, you know, let's worry about. I want to try and leave the stress for 2021. Yes. We're all. At the end of 2020, let's just try and be chill and get this fucking year over with. You know? I don't think that's too much to ask. So so, so that's all I have for Santa Slate. Next week, we're watching Merry Frickin' Christmas. Okay. That's the uh, one you were talking about before? Yeah, yeah, we're going to watch it, and uh, a lot of people hate it, but uh, we're going to give it a chance, and with the cast that they have, this has to be good. Yeah. I mean, Joe McHale from Community, Lauren well, like Graham say, from Bad... I've seen parts of it, and it's, it's, it is pretty good. This is one of, like, three films that Robin Williams wrapped up right before he died, and so the companies were forced to release the movies posthumously. Yes. And apparently the people who made Merry Friggin' Christmas were like, okay, we're ready, this movie's coming out, and then Robin Williams died, and they're like, well, fuck, we have to re-edit the entire movie now that he's dead. (laughs) Back to the lab and re-edited the entire movie. And I think that I think what happened was was that in the original edit, it was more of a wacky madcap sort of thing. And oh, Robin Williams is dead. Let's try and make this more of a family drama. Yeah. He's dead, and that's so sad. And let's honor his memory by making this a touching, a touching film. So 
I think that's what happened. I don't know. I've never seen the film. Yeah. But well, we're going to find out. Yeah, yeah. With a cast like that, with a name like Schmuckers, it has to be good. So, next week, Merry Friggin' Christmas and Violet the Killer of Both for Shaft. It's going to be a fun week. Next week, episode 283. How impressive. But now that I'm looking back at this week, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, the this and the that. Uh, I gotta say, I think this episode has been a, 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 a pretty good, pretty, pretty good episode. I think it's been a damn good episode. Okay, okay, okay. I felt the same way that you did, but I didn't want to say anything because, you know, they, you make those decisions, not me, and, and I didn't want to step on your toes. But yes, I concur. With your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steven on behalf of Natasha and Amber and Maxwell and Bella. I just want to say thanks for listening. I'll see you next week, you godless heathens. If you're traveling, boop your jokes. Max. And you controllers? I know I didn't. He had nothing. Yeah, he didn't have anything. I love lamp. <laughs> <laughs> that was basically what he just did. Do 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 Skip beep pop boop beep ba doo. A beep doop a doo wow. Cut and print. Cut and print. <laughs>